welcome to a pastor and his people. I'm Pastor Dave Kane. This is a pastor of the Park Baptist Church. We can uh, get to know one another and learn from our members how do they and how can we live more faithfully uh, with the Lord. Today, I am with Jay Camp. Hi. Uh, how are you doing so far today, Jay? Doing pretty good. Uh, well, Jay, first, as we kind of get going, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, where are you from, brothers and sisters, when did you come to Rock Hill? Yeah, so um, I'm in the Master's of Teaching program at Winthrop right now. And that is pretty much how I got to Rock Hill. I was here as an undergrad. Um, and in my junior year, I started coming to Park. Well, where are you from? Oh, oh where I'm from. Sorry. Um, I'm from Somerville, which is close to Charleston in South Carolina. And I have two younger sisters. Um, one has just graduated high school and one is a sophomore in high school. Okay. Now, you, uh, you said you started coming to Park as a junior. Why? Well, um, I had been going to the college student Bible study that Park hosts um, throughout my college years. Um, But my first few years, the church I was going to was not uh, discipling me very well, and um, I decided to leave it, and I was looking for a church, and I figured, why not go to the church that I has the Bible study that I like, so came to yeah. Park. Well, one of the, the interesting things, we, we've been friends, we probably haven't known you probably for like five years, it seems like, mm-hmm. and um, you know, you knew you didn't come to church, and you were uh, Anglican, right, came mm-hmm. from an Anglican tradition, and we like ran into each other again, had a cup of coffee at Starbucks, started talking about baptism, and you know, the nature of the church, and I think since that conversation, I have just seen a hunger in you for the Word, and what the Word teaches, and uh, I mean, I think when you joined the church your junior year, and you have just grown uh, tremendously since then. Uh, how has uh, Park uh, helped you grow in the Lord? I think the biggest way that it's helped me grow in the Lord is um, not leaving me alone. <laughs> not, not that they're annoying me, but I'm severely and deeply interested in my and everyone else's personal holiness. And not in an abstract sense of, oh, hey, like God a little bit more but really concerned with the practical ways that I am orienting my life to be closer and reflective of God's holiness and perfection. Amen. How has your relationship with uh, Keith Doster helped you grow with the Lord? It's, um, it's been good. I ask about Keith because you, you and Keith meet, meet regularly for discipleship where he teaches you the Bible and mm-hmm. helps you walk with the Lord. So I think the biggest benefit there's been multiple benefits, but the biggest one I think has just been developing that, a relationship with someone who is more mature in their faith than me. Um, cause I think I have a big problem with pride. And so knowing that there's someone who's farther along, but also cares about me and loves me that I can trust and go to for certain things, uh, has been a huge, uh, lifted, burden off of me. So uh, as a college student, right, if a, a college student is let's say, listening to this podcast, what would you encourage them to do in terms of how can they serve the church, get to, 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 get to know people at the church? What would you recommend, maybe some possible, possible recommendations that you would give to a college student? Um, I think in terms of getting to know people, uh, well, we're in the South, we like to eat, so just uh, having a meal with someone and asking how to, how to, a good way to spend time. In terms of serving the well, just, church, just say that. Oh. I mean, one of the reasons why I think that you and Keith got close because after they spoke, uh, did a, um, a testimony on a Sunday night. Right afterward, 
you guys asked him out to lunch. Like I, you asked him out to, to dinner and you guys went and grabbed burgers and, and he was like, I can't believe that college students want to hang out with us old people. Right? <laughs> so anyway, just affirming, knowing people through food. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so serving the church. Absolutely. I think in terms of serving the church, I think there's two main ways. And I think uh, one, one main way is asking the elders or the deacons what are some practical, just grimy, not elegant <laughs> things that the church needs to get done. Uh, organizing some of the stuff or helping get uh, like clean out different parts of the church or stuff like that. That's a major way. The other major way is getting to know like a few people and asking how you can help them personally in their lives, like taking care of someone's kids or helping someone with their yard work or, um, Renovating their parents' house, for example. Yes, that's a fine example. <laughs> <laughs> um, so one of the things I appreciate about you, Jay, is that you like to think, right? You're a thinker. You like to look at maybe how, how we can make sense of abstract things. And you really kind of develop that in your love for apologetics. Mm-hmm. Maybe tell us a little about your experience being involved with Russia Christie in college and how did that love for apologetics grow, foster, and... Let me ask some follow-up questions after that. Yeah, so um, I'm I'm when I was an undergrad, I was a helper in an organization at Winthrop called Ratio Christi, um, and it is basically a ministry on campus that seeks to minister to both Christians and non-Christians by engaging their mind, not necessarily by uh, a fancy worship service or fan- a lot of food or whatever, but by asking tough questions and engaging in deep conversation. Um, and I got into that my freshman year. And my friend, one of my friends from high school was uh, in the leadership in Rational Christie, and he wrote me in. And Were you interested in politics before that? Well, I, I suppose I was. I just never knew that it was called apologetics. I loved thinking about, uh, for instance, like the way the universe works and the, the origins of the universe. Um, and I loved tying that in with Christianity and the biblical account of the origin of the universe and trying to figure out if they could fit together and how they might fit together and so forth. Um, I don't believe a lot of things that I used to that I developed on my own. But um, <laughs> uh, I just always was interested in that because of my parents asking me questions. But it wasn't until college when a name was given to that. And I was made aware that, oh, wait, people actually study this for real. Like, this is people's doctorate work and their academic work and so on. Um, so that's how I kind of got into it. And then, um, yeah, I don't know. Ratio Christie is interesting because it broadened my view of what intellectual topics Christianity has a say on. Um, I think uh, we might, we, we as we Christians might think that the one intellectual topic that Christianity has to say on might be like creation and evolution. That that's, that's it. That's the only time we intellectually intersect with the, the culture. But there's a lot, a lot of different ways that intellectually Christianity engages with um, popular held beliefs in the culture. So yeah. And it's interesting, interesting too, because when you think about why most people are Christians, 
usually it's because their parents they were they were raised in, in a Christian home and they were taught those things when they were younger and they adopted those things. Right. Uh, I right. always tell people that I'm a Christian um, not only by faith but by a reason faith. Right. Right. If I look at Christianity and I look at the the worldview of Christianity, I think that the Christian worldview. Is most is the most consistent worldview out there compared to other religions. Amen. Right? And yeah. I think that people don't people want to kind of put Christianity in kind of this private, personal, but it is a public perspective. Uh, you know how we view the world interacts with everything in life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so uh, maybe where's a good place to start? If someone's listening to this and hey, I'm not involved in apologetics, but I kind of want to be. Mm-hmm. Where would you maybe have them start? Um, there's a few, I mean, this is an intellectual thing, so you, there's going to be some reading involved. Uh, but uh, a very popular book is called I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. That book is pretty much apologetics, Christian apologetics 101. It covers things from dealing with scientific objections to Christianity all the way through to historical evidence for the resurrection, why um, Christians believe in absolute truth, our view on morality, all sorts of various subjects. That's a, that's a good resource. Um, honestly, the way that I really engaged with apologetics when I first started out, I didn't read it all my first two years. I just watched YouTube videos <laughs> of um, famous apologists and saw them talking and heard their arguments as they debated with people and answered people's questions. So I think that's a major way as well. Maybe give, give us two apologists that you would recommend people to. Two apologists. Um, one is called William Lane Craig. He's one of my favorites, I would say. Um, and another one, oh gosh, it's hard to pick two. Uh, Feel free. <laughs> <laughs> um, Frank Turek, that's T-U-R-E-K. Who wrote, not, who wrote he, the book. Who wrote, who wrote that book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist. And let's see, one more. Oh, Gary Habermas. He does a lot of work with the historical evidence for the Christian faith. Now, they have a National Apologetics Conference coming in October. Uh, you want to encourage people to maybe a little commercial about that? Yeah, I'll give a, I'd love to give a commercial on that. What's really cool is, as you said, it's National Conference on Apologetics, but national is kind of a misleading term. It's really worldwide. People from all over the world come to this thing. And what's cool is it's right in our backyard here in Rock Hill. It's in Charlotte. So we don't have to fly anywhere, get a hotel or anything. We can just drive there. Um, it's October 11th, 12th. The, um, one of my favorite things about it is the amount of sessions that you have options to pick. The, the topics covered is truly astounding in their breadth. You have things from scientific discussions on, on things in astronomy and physics all the way through to how do Christians engage social issues like transgenderism and homosexuality? It's just covering the entire gamut. There's stuff, they, they organize the sessions as well by beginner level all the way through to expert level on in terms of your familiarity and comfortableness with apologetics. So it really is one of the best events to go to, even if you're just starting out, just to see how much people think about this stuff and how much the Christian faith can be intellectually defended. I went to a, one of the sessions a couple of years ago, and I still remember the talk. 
right? Um, so yeah, it was, it was really helpful to me. Uh, let me take maybe take a one step giant step back. How did you become a Christian, Jerry? Yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't really have like a moment where you know heaven was opened and I was able to see light shining down from the skies or anything like that. And from that moment on, my whole life changed. I don't really have a moment like that. But I would say uh, the moment I probably was saved <laughs> was um, when I realized in middle school that all throughout my life, up until that moment, I had been building my life and my personality on just lies. I would, I would fabricate who I wanted to be and then answer people's questions and talk to people as if I was that person trying to make myself appear to be someone I wasn't. And then in middle school at a revival or a, ret- a retreat that I was at, there was, um, I had a moment where I realized, I realized that and I had, I had no clue who I was. I had no clue if anyone loved me or if I loved anyone. Because if I don't know who I am, how can anyone really love me? Because if I don't know who I am, how do they know who I am? And I, a lot of these existential questions started spouting in my mind. And then I realized the best answer to those sorts of questions that I could come up with at that moment was if my identity is in Jesus Christ, if my identity is in the fact that I'm a sinner who has been bought by Jesus' atoning death on the cross, that answered all the existential questions that I had about myself. Who loves me? Well, Jesus does. Obviously, he died for me. Do I love anyone? Well, by default, I have to love my Lord, not out of compulsion, but just of the immense work that he did for me and how of how awesome he is. So I would say that's the moment that I became a Christian. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, you had the opportunity this past summer to do one of our internships, our SummerLink, uh, Generation Link internship. How has it been? It was really good. Um, <laughs> I assume you want me to talk a bit more about well, I mean, it. <laughs> <laughs> what did you enjoy? What I was going to ask some follow-up questions if you didn't. <laughs> you sound like one of my children. How was your day? Good. Oh, tell me more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, one of my favorite things about it was getting to know um, people outside of my age range. That's both younger people who are just getting into college or young children at the church and also older people, um, older members, um, some of the elders and deacons. Spreading that out and building those connections was really awesome and built my faith up a lot. I think another aspect that was good was we read a lot of books. Um, I read a lot of books now, but the books we read together for Summerlink were not books that I would normally pick up and read on my own. But they were very important. They, I won't tell all of them, but they essentially, from my perspective, covered the basics of Christianity and what a Christian is and what a Christian does. And I had never thought through in detail and in depth those sorts of questions before. So it was a very helpful both reminder of who I am in Christ and a kind of a conviction of this is how you're supposed to now live because of what Christ has done for you. So 
Well, two more questions. One would be, uh, what is your kind of your tentative plan for your future? I know you're in the master's degree program now. You still have desire to be to be a math teacher or possibly maybe ministry or maybe a combination of both? Is that still on the radar? Yeah. Um, I definitely want to be a math teacher at least for some period of time. One, because that's how my loans are forgiven. And, <laughs> and then two, I think... Um, I heard this advice from someone. I'm not sure. Maybe it was you. But uh, it's it's usually wise for people who want to be in the ministry, either as a pastor or as an actual missionary or something like that, to have some, quote, real world, unquote, experience first, just so they can see how how do I live out my Christian faith as a lay person before I try and figure out how do I minister to people. And, and help them along in their life. So I'll take that advice. Okay. So that, <laughs> that's, <laughs> Sounds like good advice. I'll say it was from me. <laughs> all right. All right. That's fine. <laughs> um, so I'm not really sure. I definitely want to be a math teacher for at least a few years um, in high school, high school math. Um, I don't know what the Lord has in store, but definitely those desires to be a teacher and encourager of other believers in some way, whether that's in the ministry or just as a lay person doing some extra work. I don't know. Well, how can we specifically be praying for you right now at this point in your life? So um, part of my master's program to be qualified to be a teacher is where we have to be in an internship where we basically have all the, spend all the time and energy and resources uh of being a full-time teacher, but we don't get paid for it. And it's hard to work a part-time job aside from that as well. So it's just going to be a very stressful year. Um, But just pray that I wouldn't, my faith wouldn't break down under it and that I can discern how to best incorporate Christ in the classroom in that stressful time where I'm having to accommodate other teachers and not do exactly what I want with the classroom all those sorts of things are, are hard. You got it. Well, let's pray for you. Thank you. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jay and just his uh, love for you and his evident love for your church. God, I pray that you continue to grow him in both. God, we thank you so much for his mind and how he thinks deeply about your things of God. We pray you continue to sharpen and strengthen him in that area. We also pray specifically, Lord, for this next year. I know it's going to be challenging with uh, the internship and finances and, and all the different things that come with it. I pray, God, that you would use this season of, of trial to, to grow him even further uh, in his faith. So, Father, we thank you so much for him. Thank you for the gift that he is to Park Baptist Church and uh, the example he is to so many. We pray, God, that you continue to work and grow him uh, in your likeness. Uh, we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.